0: Hey there, story fiends, and welcome to Their Stories Everywhere with Aledria Hurt. I'm your hostess, Aledria Hurt. Thank you for joining us for the Mostly Fiction podcast, which believes there really are stories everywhere. Demon Born by Aledria Hurt. I wanted there to be something there, but there wasn't. I desperately wanted there to be something there. My heart raced with the want, but there was nothing. I looked down into an empty coffin sitting in a redug grave and knew for a fact there should have been someone, not just any someone, but my mother, in it. Except she wasn't there. There was no one in the coffin that laid there with the single rose I had dropped in it a year earlier still preserved by the ground. I tried to control my need to hyperventilate. There was no one in the coffin. My compatriot, my friend, my wife, stood on the other side of the grave looking at the same thing I was seeing. We locked eyes across the hole. I swallowed so hard I thought my Adam's apple would go away, for all it mattered. My mother was not in her grave where she was supposed to be a year after her death in the electric chair. She said, in her final moments, that she wasn't sorry for what she'd done, it needed doing, and one day they would all recognize that. A week ago, I got a phone call from a strange man, a stranger who knew too much about my home life of childhood. It couldn't have been my father. He was dead. Of course, it could have been one of my mother's friends playing a prank on me on the eve of her supposed resurrection. That was something else she had said. She would be coming back to defend her blood from what was coming. What was coming? You ask? A demonic war. You see, my mother, who killed my father in cold blood. Believed he had been possessed by a demon which meant to kill me before I could grow up and defend myself. Now I stood over her empty grave, uncertain of what to make of anything on earth in that moment. In the past week, I had seen things I knew couldn't be true. In the past week, I had packed up my wife and kid drove all the way to the pauper's grave where my mother was supposedly buried, and broke into a cemetery to find out if it was indeed true. My mother was alive somewhere. It couldn't be true. I'd watched her die with tears in my eyes for the life she'd led, for the trouble she'd been willing to endure to see me do well. I'd watched her flatline. She had chosen the electric chair. Said old school was better. Didn't want to be loaded up with all kinds of chemicals meant to make it humane. It was state-sanctioned murder. Might as well own it for what it was. Her last meal had been nothing to write home about. She asked for much the same stuff she'd eaten at home. Loaded up on the vegetables with a small piece of protein meant to balance it out in her system. I'd tried not to think about how she'd often chided me about not eating enough green food. It was never my favorite, but I would eat what she fixed. Funny thinking about that over the top of an empty grave, but there was the thought. No sooner than it came, it went. I brought my hands to my face, dirty as they were, and wiped them down my cheeks. If she wasn't in her grave, where was she? That was when I heard my son squeal. A toddler. He'd been born just before my mother's execution. He had her eyes but my father's chin and the lungs of a god. My wife loved her to death, said she didn't see a bit of herself in him. I was a little sorry about that, but it was nice to know my family would still be represented when things on. Of course, we both turned to look at our car parked as it was down the hill from where we stood. I could have sworn whatever was crawling all over our tiny Toyota was made out of the dark between the stars. Our son gibbered in panic where he was strapped in his car seat. He'd been asleep when the adventure started, so of course we hadn't brought him up to the side of the grave. Both she and I broke into a run, gravity aiding us down the hill at breakneck speeds. I outdistanced my wife by yards and reached the car first. I had longer legs. Our boy continued to scream and blubber, even as I wrenched the car door open and started fumbling with his car seat. I needed it undone, but my clumsy fingers had never been good with the locks. Hands shaking from panic helped nothing. Outside, I could hear my wife yelling and beating on something which sounded too much like a wet sack for my taste. I didn't know what was going on. I only knew they intended to take my son, and I wasn't about to let that happen. I would find a way to get him out of the car and away from the trouble. If I could just get the damnable lock undone. A gunshot rang out. Something inky splattered all over the side of the car, and I lost sight of my wife. I could still hear her, though, thankfully. Whatever happened hadn't hurt her. I praised the God I didn't fully believe in for that. A moment later, another shot, another splatter. My wife went silent, and I strained to hear something, anything, other than my son's squealing cries and the frantic beating of my own heart over my panting breasts. Talk to me, boy, came the command from outside the car. No one had called me boy in a long time, not since I became a young man. Mother hadn't allowed it. A boy was a boy until he made his way in the world, she said. When I started making my way in the world, no one was supposed to call me boy. My hackles went up. My wife frightened to the point of timidity stood outside the car and thrust her arms out for the baby boy when i came out i didn't expect what i got when i got out of that car i put my toddler son in my wife's arms and turned to deal with the person who had called me my father stared back at me and i swore i choked there for a moment a dead man stood not one hundred yards from the empty grave of his also supposedly dead wife, a man I had testified to his death at the hands of my mother previously. I lost my track of thoughts, all of them, and just stared with my mouth so open I could have caught bugs. My father stepped forward and used the barrel of his glock to shut my mouth. How? There are a lot of things I will need explaining, but first we need to get off the street and away from those who are going to want your boy for themselves, he said. My wife, for her part, stood there soothing the baby and staring at the pair of us. She'd never met my father. He'd been dead for so long that there weren't even any pictures of him by the time she came along. Of course, I knew better than to think things would get easier from that point. However... There was still a part of me which wanted things to get easier for me, and for her. Unfortunately, I could practically guarantee things were only going to get weirder. Where's mom? I asked without preamble. If he was here, he had to know she wasn't where she was supposed to be. How he knew? I didn't have the faintest inkling, but something was going on which I couldn't quite figure out. I needed more information, and I didn't think I was going to get it standing in the grass at the cemetery waiting for something else to happen. I don't know, my father said, and for a moment, I know there was something which might have been fear which crossed his face. I know that she's not where she was buried, but I don't know what they've done with her body. What who have done with her body? Like I said, boy... There are a lot of things that we'll need explaining, but first we get off the street. Things are going to get worse long before they get better. He stared into my eyes, and for a second, just a flash, his eyes changed, and I knew we were in more danger than I thought. My wife had come up to my elbow, but she hadn't tried to say anything just yet. Get in the car, I whispered to her, and lock yourself in. I want you to stay there, no matter what. It had already been proven, at least for the moment, that the car wasn't the most secure place, but I couldn't think of anywhere else for them to go. I knew there was about to be a throwdown, and I would be involved. I didn't want her in the middle of it. I didn't want the baby in the middle of it, either. There was something about him that was important, and I could only guess it was because of his connection to my family. The creature, which had taken on the look of my father, turned his gun on me as she scrambled into the car, and I closed the distance without warning. I didn't want to think about what it would cost to see her okay. I might well end up getting shot. But then again, if it saved my wife and child, I would bear it. I might even get out alive if I was good. Mother had insisted I learn to defend myself against an armed opponent when I was much younger, but my skills were rusty, and I squandered my ability to surprise it by not getting closer first. Of course that didn't matter. It tried to shoot me, but missed with its first shot. Then I was inside its guard. It didn't try to shoot me again, dropping the gun and then turning to a fight, I was more comfortable with that anyway. I had size and reach plus the skills my mother had taught me before she killed him and got locked up. It wasn't expecting me to fight back. I could see it from the way it looked at me. It wasn't anticipating having to go toe-to-toe with someone of my caliber. Good thing, too, since I hadn't been in a real fight since high school when it was me against the schoolyard bully. A couple haymakers, though, and it was down, face slack with unconsciousness. That's when the features changed. I wasn't looking at my father anymore but something else, something with luminescent white skin like something bloated and dead. I couldn't look at it for very long, truthfully. We have to go, I told my wife as I got into the passenger seat of the car. Go where, she asked. To my mother's house. I hadn't been there since we were supposed to clean it out after her execution, but I had a sick feeling the place would look exactly as it had when Mom left it. I'd gone in, grabbed a couple photos and some knickknacks, but nothing serious, and I certainly hadn't tried to actually clean the place up and sell it. It was the family homestead, where I was born in the bathtub and grew up for a little while. It was my mother's house. You're going to have to drive, she said with a shake of her head. I'm too nervous. Get in the back. Keep the boy quiet. I'll drive. We switched out seats. I drove us to my mother's house knowing one thing. When we got there, things would either get better or they would get exponentially worse. Thanks for listening, Story Fiends. As always, you can drop me your thoughts here at the podcast through voice message. You're welcome to tweet me on Twitter at Our Lady of Ashes. Find me on Facebook or Insta as Alidria E. Hurt. And if you're interested in supporting my creative endeavors, check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Hurt.